Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast. This podcast is hosted by thought leaders and experts. They have all been handpicked and invited to contribute because of their knowledge and valuable insight within the areas of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle. Whether you're starting a business, looking for personal growth, or if you're just here to learn something new, you will get actionable advice from world-class award-winning coaches, experts, and industry leaders from over 50 countries across six continents. If you like what you hear, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. You can also visit us at brainsmagazine.com for quality articles, interviews, and daily inspiration. With that said, let's welcome today's podcast host. Hi, everyone. My name is Camille Shah, and I will be your Brains podcast host today. Firstly, I would like to thank Brains Magazine for this amazing opportunity to be sharing with you some valuable insights and inspirational stories on this podcast. As a Jay Shetty certified life coach, I know that within all of us lies an amazing force waiting to be unleashed. And that is why my mission is to guide people to discover their inner personal genius. You can find me on various social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. The handles being at I am Camille Shah, and also my website, which is www.camilleshah.com. Sharing our time today are two wonderful beings who I'm truly grateful to be able to connect with since the beginning of the pandemic in the form of Anita Wu and Colby Sharma. Before I move on, I'd like to share with you a little bit about our guest today. Our first guest is Anita Wu, and she joins us from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Anita is one of Malaysia's leading TV news anchors and former athlete. She has interviewed an array of world and industry leaders, including former President of the United States of America, Barack Obama, and Jack Ma of Alibaba Group. Anita is also a former athlete and a multi-medalist in various international horseback archery championships. Most notably, she is Southeast Asia's first female horseback archery medalist. Our next guest is Colby Sharma, LLB, who is joining us from Toronto, Canada. Colby is a law graduate from the University of Liverpool, an international traveler and a philosopher. He is also the author of his first book titled The Curveball, a story of grit, adversity, and winning the game of life. Welcome to you both. Our conversation today will revolve around the topic of mindset and how it can be used to help us overcome challenges and adversities in life. As we all know too well, life is never linear. We will have our ups and we will have our downs. As the saying goes, that's life. But I think there should also be a saying that goes, Life will throw curveballs at you. So what are you going to do about it, right? Things happen. Life happens. As much as we try to control things, there will always be situations where things seem, well, out of control. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying, now I did not see that coming. The way I see it, we are sometimes put in these situations to see if we're paying attention to life itself. 
Okay, enough of me talking, right? Let's bring on our guest today. Colby, I'd like to start our conversation today with you. As we all know too well, 2020 has been a challenging year for all of us, yet you have managed to launch your first book, The Curveball, amidst all of this. Can you please share with us a little bit about the book and its significance to what's happening right now? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so the book really is, is a book that uses baseball as a vehicle to share very fundamental and powerful life lessons. It's a book about a struggling individual who has to go back to his past and relearn the lessons to become successful again. Um, and he's given four key lessons by a mentor he meets in the book uh, to help him find happiness and fulfillment in his life again. Because he's, we see him in the beginning caught in ego, caught in adversity, and really, you know, the 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 title, the curveball, is a, a really signifies when life gives you an unexpected change in direction and path, and you have to really just navigate that change. You know, we are all navigating this within this global moment in this global pandemic of going back to the basics. Embracing what I say at page 23 in the curveball, incrementalism again. And that's very, very powerful if we're looking at, you know, change in the long term and what this means in terms of overcoming a challenge that we're faced right now. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Kobe. Thanks for sharing that. It's really interesting. Uh, I have to say, I have read the book and it's a really interesting and engaging book. Uh, whoever is listening to this, I would encourage them to go ahead and grab a copy right now because it's so good to read in the sense that you can connect with it really well. Uh, I have to say I connected with it uh, myself, right? Uh, because for me, there, there were so many lessons in there which I personally found to be very useful. Now, what about the characters in the book? Uh, Colby, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about the characters, not giving too much away, I guess, um, to explore the interesting things about the characters uh, in the book. Yeah, I mean, the book really is, uh, it has very quirky characters in it. You know, it has characters that we can all relate to. You know, we see the pivotal main character, you know, facing ego um, in his struggles. In the beginning of the book, he's at his rock bottom. And he's trying to find a way to get out of that, get out of that trap. Because as I say also at page 23 of the curveball, you know, adversity loves your ego. It loves a part of you that refuses to, to you know, rebuild and to relearn um, things that you think that are working but are really not working. Though. So that's the function of ego. You know, there's also a mentor um, that just comes out of nowhere in the book. And I, I love writing that character. Um, he really helps him get back to where he needs to go. You know, he not giving too much of the story away, but it's a, it's a very fundamental rock in his corner as he seeks to rebuild his life. And, you know, he has um, a great wife at home that, you know, uh, really, is, uh, really plays a big role in his, in his redevelopment as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. Going back to the book. Now, 2020 has been absolutely insane for a lot of us, uh, yet you managed to release uh, this book. Uh, where did you draw the inspiration to write The Curveball? For sure. For sure. So, you know, I, I actually, I wrote the book uh, more than four years ago. So I was finished my first year of law school. I was back home 
And I was just writing. I was just writing that whole summer. I wrote in my backyard, uh, you know, next to my father. So I got like great inspiration. You know, I was working in Toronto. I was, uh, I was writing everywhere I could on the subways and coffee shops. And I wanted to get a draft done of the book by that summer. And then you took four and a half years in, in, in the pandemic and lockdown 1.0. And, you know, I remember I was just sitting on it all these years before that. I was like, now might be the time to actually try to release this. Um, and in terms of like the inspiration, you know, cause I started with my why I started with my how, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Dan Brown who says, you know, take the pressure off yourself. Everything that's been written has been written before. You just need your whys and you need your hows. And my why and my how and my deep drive to get this done was my own personal journeys of adversity that I faced. And the book really is a reflection of that moment uh, in my life. You know, I, I'm a big fan of baseball. I'm a big fan of sports. And that's very, I, I use that theme because that is transcendent everywhere in the world. You know, I believe sports is a unifying language, whether it's soccer, football, you know, cricket, etc. But there is a bonding power of sports. And I wanted to mix that in with, you know, self-help and, and motivation uh, to create the curveball. But mostly I had to start with my why that was very important to me, you know, my own personal journeys, I also, I love the quote that what's most personal is also what's most universal. If you're going through something, so many other people are going through it as well. So that's a return to basics. And that's just, it was just fun to write. And, you know, I had to do a lot of digging to go back to that moment in, in that time in my life. But um, it, it, it provided like a very natural starting block to get that done. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, you've mentioned a few things in there, which I hope to come back to later on. Okay. Um, but there was one specific thing that you mentioned about your love for sports and baseball. Uh, now, I guess that's a great point to bring our next guest in, Anita, right? Um, so, Anita, I want to bring you in right now into the conversation. You have a unique presence in media as well as sports. Uh, as a TV news anchor and also an athlete, how have you used your work and um, past experiences I guess both from the people that you've met as well as personal experiences uh, to overcome life challenges. Thanks for the questions and thanks for having me on the show, uh, Camille. It's, it's a real great honor to be here with you as well as with Colby. I'm really excited. Um, I have to say that this is probably one of my favorite parts. Uh, I've been really privileged in my career to have interviewed, you know, heads of states, uh, key industry and thought leaders. And in, in that, I think you pick up a thing or two. I mean, not, not, not so much as in like, oh, yes, I've absorbed something intellectually, but it's in their presence. There is something about their energy that elevates you. Um, and there are some unique moments that I can only journal about because they're so intimate um, in terms of, of how they made you feel. And sometimes when I have challenges, say, so it de depends, right? So let's say if it comes to self-doubt, um, when it comes to performance in say an arena that say, say, say journalism, and it's a tough interview and it's a really dynamic situation and things are changing. And I have to be up to date with 
the scenario to be up to date and relevant in the interview. Um, I just have to, it's, it's really stress and self-doubt that I would say that affects your performance because everyone who does what they do will know that, you know, your job, you know how to do, you know, as long as you, as long as you prepare yourself, you have the tools, what gets in the way is actually our state of being at the time and, and the mental state that we're in. Uh, I often, one of the things that I do is that I often go back to those special moments and I remind myself, as you said, Colby, why? Like, why am I doing this? What is my gift? My gift is to get a story. My gift is in, in the human connection, being able to get a story from a heartfelt place. I, that usually is my challenge. And, 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 and I pride myself when I'm able to just have that. And when, when the guest or, or, or the interviewee is, is reciprocative. Um, so th- that's, that's one thing that I do. And uh, in terms of, of sports and things like that, um, I would say that it's also about remembering kind of like my flow state. So in a weird way, it's, it's, it's going back into, into the things that my why mm-hmm. and the how is kind of like, listen, actually, when you get into your flow state, you didn't know how you got there. You just were present. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, I just have to come back, come back to the present and breathe. Now, that, that's really useful for us to hear, actually, because uh, I think a lot of people listening to this will be able to get a few insights um, I guess, tips uh, and strategies from you and also Colby. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, have gone through some challenges in the past, but I think it's one of those things where you don't know how to respond to challenges uh, when they come along. Um, I guess usually we are more reactive to things, uh, but responding and reacting to things are, uh, in my book, two completely different ways of dealing with situations. Anita, I, li- I like what you said just a moment ago. Uh, when you're in a situation in your line of work, uh, in an interview, um, when things aren't going as planned, you mentioned about drawing from previous experiences to respond to the current situation that you're in. Yeah, I, and, and on that point, Camille, I think sometimes to put a lot of pressure, a lot of us are perfectionists, um, and we put a lot of pressure for things to be perfect. And in life and in anything that's live as well. Um, you know, I think if you can tell yourself it's okay for things to not be perfect, but at the same time have prepared yourself to the best of your ability for that moment, it allows a lot more organic um, interactions. You know, it allows yourself to also be a little bit easier on yourself when, when things go a little bit pear-shaped. And often, often I find the humor in it. Um, <laughs> maybe it's not that funny, you know, in, in, in the moment, but then if you're actually able to find the humor in the moment and incorporate that in the moment, it, it's actually, a, it's actually a ball. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a nice way of looking at it, Anita, um, to deal with sticky situations. And I guess to look at it from a different perspective, um, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Colby, do you want to add a few more things off the back of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I love, you know, that um, taking the pressure off yourself, getting into getting into that flow state, you know, letting it just like come to you. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Anita is like the master of it, you know, athletes and just prepare and prepare, 
and prepare and prepare. And when they get to game time, when they're the, you know, in the arena, when they are, you know, taking that shot, when they are archery, they're pulling the arrow back. Like, I think it just comes out very, very naturally. So I, I love what Anita just said on, you know, getting back to joy. I mean, there's so much joy in what Anita just said, you know, athletes enjoy. I mean, they get back to their past and they say, you know, my past was when I was kicking a ball. It just feels so young again. It just feels so freeing again. It's like that time when I was just younger, my younger days or when I started the sport. So I think that was just so powerful. And I was really touched by that. Thank you, Colby. I mean, I'd, I'd like to sh actually share when you were mentioning about the flow state, right? And I think, you know, it's not, it's, I, when I said that I didn't know how I got into the flow state, it's just because it happens uh, or it happened. But there is a particular time that I, I, I don't share this very often because it was such an intimate moment. Mm -hmm. It was when the odds were against me because I didn't have that much time to practice the specific event. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it is the moving target event. And it was a, it was a team event. So me and right. a teammate uh, are supposed to chase after a rider that has a 10 meter head start, oh. and it's a traditional Korean game. So, so when I used to compete, this was in the, in the international uh, world championships in South Korea at the time. Oh. And so just set the scene. It, everyone's in their traditional costume uh, from different corners of the globe. You've got the Hungarians, you've got the Pole, uh, the Polish who are in their winged outfits, you know, the Hussars, um, mm -hmm. kind of replicating uh, the armor that they used to have and, and wear in military. And you'd have the Japanese in their full samurai or traditional costume with wow. their long bow. I mean, it was just, it was just another time, another place. It, yeah. it, it, situation and I kind of am glad that it hasn't become a kind of like you know uh, a level of sport like Olympics or, or or something because then it becomes uniformed and you lose that element of culture of culture and history and diversity in that um, and that is such a huge part of, of uh, traditional horseback archery which is one of the uh, UNESCO world heritage sports yeah, wow. yeah. How did you get into horseback archery? That's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, I think, Camille, I, I don't think you've asked me this before either, and I'm not sure how you know, but I did it the opposite way. Um, I Most people that I competed with were almost practically born on the saddle. So you'd have the Mongolians and the, and, and the European um, equestrians and you name it. I fell in love with traditional archery. So it came from a point of where I, I was feeling quite unsafe about my personal safety. And I just thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start picking up unarmed combat. Wow. And um, I did that one-on-one -on -one coaching with uh, my teacher and he, he was, he, he, he's an interesting one. He, he had um, traditional archery under his belt. He had uh, ninjutsu. He had silat, which is the, um, uh, traditional Malay and Indonesian um, martial art. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, 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 and he could, you know, he had the kendo as well under his belt. So what, what was interesting was like, yeah, okay, great. I kind of enjoyed um, a little bit of ninjutsu, I, but I just fell in love with the traditional bow. It was, I just fell in love with archery and it happened to be, I happened to be natural at it. And sometimes in life there's a bit of a calling 
you know, in a sense, the first time they call it beginner's luck. Usually um, it was the first time I was actually shooting a bow and arrow the traditional way. And um, I was, I, I think I was a pretty, you know, a lot of the shots were still on the board. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that was great motivation. And then I tried a second round. It was nothing like that. But, you know, I mean, life has its way of tricking you into that. And so when I really got into traditional archery, I did a bit more research and I realized there were some crazy people who did this historically and in today's time still do it as a sport. And uh, I started learning um, writing and, and, and uh, to, to do horseback archery. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it hard to shoot like a, like a bow and arrow like at that level? Like, or is it? Yeah. I think it's, it, there are different levels to it and um in different competitions they have different requirements based on the are what is a traditional sport in in that in that country or in that culture and a lot of it is actually based on military practices so for the world championships uh because they were trying to popularize the sport it 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 wasn't too difficult but then they started introducing so every year there'd be a rotation and they would start and say all right this year our guest uh, i mean our our featured event is the Turkish event. And then that's when you'd have to kind of, you know, cross over your course, turn around and shoot a target that was actually high up the pole. Wow. <laughs> Never, wow. you know. And then in, in for example, the, the Jordanians would have you go on an obstacle where you'd have to shoot on the opposite side of the track as well as stab a target on the on the ground with a sword. So wow. you'd, wow. it was just, it wow. was really nerve wracking because it was, like, how do I hold a sword and my bow and arrow and control my horse at the same time? Um, and there were tricks to it, right? So yeah. there were tricks. It's all strategy. But it, it was great. It, yeah. Thank you for, for even asking because, awesome. you know, as you can see, there's a smile on my face. That, yeah. I can, yeah, I, even, yeah. 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 <laughs> moments of your life. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the, coming back to circling back to the point of, of how you get into the flow state, when something becomes... So routine, and I think that is also, I think, one of the key points in your book, Colby, mm -hmm. routine. Um, it becomes a part of you. Um, there is motor memory, and and it's so much easier to get into the flow state. For sure. And there was a there was this this particular event where we were chasing this this moving target, and I hadn't had much practice uh, with it, to be honest, before I had left for the competition. I just thought, okay, let's let's just do this. And prior to that, I saw someone get into a pretty bad fall from this accident because the, the, from this event, because the ball is about, is that like maybe four feet, four feet in diameter and, and, and radius mm -hmm. um, or five feet at, at, at most. And it's a, it's a bamboo frame with a cloth wrapped over it. And thankfully you're shooting at this moving target that's being yanked and pulled. And so it bounces like a, like a, like a deer, say for example, a wild, a wild animal mm -hmm. and you're shooting with blunt uh arrowheads that are dipped in dye so you have a look at the at the marks the markings it makes on the ball and that's how you kind of spark and for some reason i i just kind of went for it and i was so far behind um and my teammate was further up but because i had I just said, you know what? There was something in me that was just, just lob your shot. Just lob your shot from afar. You, you're far away. Just give it your best shot. You've right. come this far. What would you have to lose? And I hit it. 
from so far away, this thing was bouncing around the field and I actually hit the target. And it was hilarious because, because other, uh, other members of, you know, the other competitors from other nations were just like, what just happened? (laughs) And in that moment, what was the intimate flow state that I'm talking about is the fact that breath will and the most important thing was surrender had clicked into place mm. and i had this matrix moment where i could almost see down the barrel the, the the length of my arrow and its head and there was this kind of zoomed in situation and then it just and then it just came back to real life wow. when it after it hit the ball and so I, I i just had to share that that flow state that, that's an interesting surrender to the present moment or surrender, because that's that's interesting. Surrender, not to be people. Everyone has a bad connotation with surrender, and like, you know, that's that's interesting. Surrendering to what pr- precisely? So I think sometimes people confuse submission with surrender. Mm. Um, waving the white flag, mm-hmm. and it's a, when you when you when you submit to something, it is it is with an element of. It's with a sigh, you know, right, right. You know, and, and, and what I'm talking about is surrender in the sense of surrendering yourself to, yes, the present moment, to higher forces, to, to, to whatever it is that you trust will be because you've done your best. And if you're trusting that you're doing your best and that you have done your best and there are so many forces out of your control, this is something that one of the key elements that the sport taught me. Mm-hmm. There's so many things out of your control. I'm not even holding the reins because my hands are on the bow and arrow. Um, there, there needs to be that element of training and surrender. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of like just, and it alleviates, you know, it's exactly circling back to that point of taking that pressure off. It's not all about you. You've done yeah. that about practice. Yeah. You know, training. Yeah. That's about you, but it's not all about you. There's still elements that are out of your control. And then when you, and, and it's just sweeter, it's sweeter and it's less pressure. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a connection between your state of being and results. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, the latest research will show you that actually it, you know, it, people are, Sometimes the way it has been, a lot of people wait for certain things to happen before they, they say, oh, when this happens, I'll be happy. When in actual fact, you know, or success, for example, that's why for athletes, visualization is really key as well. Because when you visualize that and it's something that hasn't happened, your brain has been tricked into it actually being real. Mm-hmm. It, it, your brain cannot tell the difference between what has actually happened and what you're playing in your mind. And, and I think it was that it was a combination of, of that and this, this, this surrender to, to what will be. And of course I had my eyes on the target, you know, and, and I think all of that came together and it, it was just a lot of pressure off of me. It was amazing. That's such a deep and such a wild point. Surrender, surrender. Wow. Next book, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Awesome. Uh, Anitha, thank you for sharing those moments with us. Truly inspiring to listen in on those, uh, I guess, detailed accounts and how you've used what you already have, I guess, to adapt and overcome the challenging situations. Um, So amazing, amazing. 
Okay, Colby, coming back to the curveball, um, what would you say is the one key thing that stops people from living their authentic life? That, that's, uh, that's a great question. So, you know, this, I'm going to answer this in kind of two ways. You know, the first way is there's a great Japanese proverb that says every human has three faces. Once they show to the world, show to others, and once they never show to, never, they never show, they keep it hidden in a box. And you talk about authenticity, but I think too many people, and, you know, they keep, they, they only show one false side of their, their face. They keep, you know, the emotions hidden down. They keep, you know, they feel inferior to ask for help. They feel, you know, resentment, whether it's like shame. Um, and this ties into also uh, page 43 of the curveball where it's, you know, you have the ability to choose your responses, to choose how you respond. You can choose to feel, you know, abundance or scarcity, happy or sad, but you really can't do both. And, and there's actually great research on this point. It's by uh, Leslie Becker Phelps, PhD. And what she says is we have to choose the origins of those responses. We have the ability to do so. We have the ability to reprogram where has this come from, whether it's underlying pain, shame, guilt, to fit this present moment. And also that also ties into to page 79 of the curveball where it talks about adversity as a team sport. We need to get better at choosing to reach out to others in challenging times, not just when it's rosy and it's good. I, I think that's the, um, that's the default you know, assumption that we can just reach out when it's good. But in bad times, that shows the bonding power of the human race, of humans that connect with one another. If humans are connecting beings as the default stage, but we can actually use that in adverse times when things aren't going well. So just to answer those questions, it's all of, the, it's all of that. Love it, love it. Um, that's really interesting, exploring the idea of authenticity and living an authentic life. Um, you mentioned the various masks that people wear based on the, um, I guess, the Japanese proverb. Um, I, I get reminded to the movie uh, Mask by Jim Carrey, <laughs> right? Um, in fact, I just rewatched it recently, actually, with, uh, with, with the kids uh, after so many years. Um, when, when I was growing up, I remember watching it for the humor. Um, but now, um, I guess I understand. Uh, I'm looking back at the film and I guess I'm, I'm seeing it with a... I guess, different lens altogether. Um, I understand it with a deeper meaning and I, I guess to, to accept that at different points of your life, um, you're able to learn new things. Um, it's, it's almost like artwork, right? Um, you know, um, you come back to a piece of art, uh, you might see something different. Um, and and it, I, I guess that's what great artists are capable of, you know, in creating. Uh, the different connection with different people at different stages of their lives. And, and I guess for me, that's uh, what authenticity means. Uh, you know, it happens in that state. I, I just gave the example, you can choose scarcity or abundance, happy or sad. So, and that goes to human agency to choose between those two things. You yeah. know, we're not in this like, and Camille brought this up earlier, you know, to get out of reactivity and embrace pro, uh, proactivity again, to have the agency to choose between the, the two responses. But 
you know, we can't do both, though. I think that's the point. And at page 43 of the curveball, it says very explicitly, you know, we have the ability to choose. And the main character is reflecting on that, what means what that means for him in his own life. And you know, to the point of the mask, and Jim Carrey is a great, like, Canadian comedian. So it's interesting. Uh, Kimo brought that up. But, you know, people's masks are, I think, sometimes are on, are welded on too tight. You know, when we, we you know, where there's no emotion that can be shown, you know, there's no ability to look at things anew, to re-embrace new things, new ways, new possibilities, new experiences that are going to be very, very fundamental, especially in this, you know, unstable, chaotic moment of this global pandemic, especially so. I hear you, um, Colby, and I think I'm going to actually take a page from that and and actually put it to practice in my um, social media, because I think that is, that is a huge thing. People forget that social media is your highlight reel, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I think people feel a lot of fear, as you said, around showing that kind of vulnerability or authenticity around what's real and a lot of that what's mm-hmm. authentic. It, as much as happiness is, so, so is, so is the pain. For sure. For sure. I think, you know, I mean, I've been for the short time I've been doing this, but from what I would have seen is that, you know, there's a line with social media, you know, how much authenticity is too much? Like, what do you want to show? Like, it's, it's intriguing in terms of like, what would be good or what would be not good? What would be, you know, what's this like fine medium? What's this like fine line that needs to be there? So I think that's interesting on the social media point. On that point, I think, I think that, you know, it's, I'm so done. Like I'm so done on a, on, on a personal level of, of like what's too much and what's not too much when it comes to that, you know, because, because when something's so raw, say for example, you know, as you said, you know, it, not just in, in, in writing books or storytelling that everything has been written before, there's no human experience, which is truly novel, (laughs) you know, and, over the course of time. And, and, and I, and I, I'd like to challenge that actually, I'd like to say, Hey, you know what, if, if, if you feel comfortable enough to sharing to that point, yeah, go do that because, because that's life. That's actually what happened. Right. Off, off the back of what you mentioned there, Anita and Colby. Um, well, what I found personally for my own life is that there are, there is this underlying fear of judgment um, to be sharing too many things, uh, like, you know, it, it would be discouraged to do so. Um, uh, so I guess it's not until you are at a stage where you're comfortable in your own skin that you're able to share um, and say, you know, you know, this is me. Uh, this is the authentic me. Um, of course, I'm not saying to go ahead and share your your, your passwords, your, your bank account number, your credit card details, right? I'm not saying any of that. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, to be able to share your feelings, your, um, your emotions, uh, I guess myself included, growing up, um, it, it was frowned upon to show emotions. You know, you have to, you have to be tough. Uh, you have to hold your emotions in. Um, now I'm, I'm raising my kids uh, with my wife. You know, we're encouraging them to share and discuss their emotions at their level, because, um, you know, we think it's healthy. 
Okay, I want to come back to our topic today, which is overcoming life's curveballs, right? How rituals create your results. Um, we're talking about rituals. So, Anita, top athletes like yourself require the degree of discipline to maintain their performance uh, at the highest level. What does having a ritual mean to you uh, when it comes to peak performance? And how does it affect uh, an athlete? I think it's different for each athlete. I think it's different um, per individual, depending on the sport. Is it a team sport? Is it a, a personal sport? But it's really down to the individual um, because you know what aspects you need to take care of, um, you know, going in. But I think in terms of ritual, it was besides the hours put into training pre, I would say it's more what I did pre, pre game time, pre pre-championship, pre-event, it was, um, it was daily, daily meditation, but there was a specific prayer, but that's me. It's personal. It was a specific prayer that I'd make um, with the faith that whatever happens, happens. Um, but then, and I think that, that for me is the power of, of, of prayer. Um, it was a high-risk sport, and I actually almost <laughs> forgot that until I had some very visual reminders uh, when, you know, people that I trained with in Korea itself had, you know, uh, got the, the horse's hooves got caught in, in the rope. The whole horse flipped. He went flying and part of the horse fell on him. <laughs> so that was a lot of impact. And, um, um, and for that same very reason, uh, my, my mom never made it to, to any of my competitions. She was always too nervous. Um, having said that rituals, it was, it was breath, meditation, prayer, and visualization. And of all of that, I, I would not go without that quick, short prayer. Um, and, and I pray with my teammates too. You know, and even if it was different faiths, we we pray together. Okay, as a, as a follow up question to that, um, what are the ones that you maintain or you would consider as your non negotiable? Right, for me, um, I, I'm into football, and I remember watching interviews with players where they would describe um, what their rituals would be pre match. Right. Um, some would prepare with certain diets. Uh, others would prepare mentally for the game. Um, you mentioned a few things just a moment ago, but what would you say is the one thing that you would never go into a competition without? It's it's definitely that. It, it was that one prayer because that that one prayer had the it, it had the um, had the power to just kind of be like, hey, you know, I had faith in the prayer. That's the first thing. So it's faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I had faith in the prayer. That's the first thing. I mean, uh, that that particular prayer was if, if the belief was that if I remember to recite it in a day, uh, I wouldn't nothing death or grievous harm, not death or grievous harm would befall me within the 24 hours of of, of reading that verse. What? So, so yeah, yeah. And you know, as much as that was a daily, I tried to 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 practice it whenever I was practicing and I made it a daily practice, there were days that I still forget. You know, so um, but competition time, yeah, for sure. I uh, that that was it, and beyond that, it was no di diet wise. I have to be honest, I wasn't very good at that. Um, <laughs> but mentally, it was also it was also breath work. I needed time alone, uh, a lot of time alone pre pre game 
to mentally prime and visualize. I'd love so, to ask you this, but what's the difference between like a habit and a ritual and a routine? Yeah, I can't answer that, Colby. <laughs> For me, <if> I, <laughs> habits, habits can be bad too. That's what I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and 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 mine is always a little bit too much sugar. I think. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Rituals. I I don't know. You know. I mean, like as as a team, we'd always we'd always. You know, you can have family rituals. You can have, you know, and uh, things that become part of the team culture or corporate culture. I think that a lot of that is also based on rituals, whether it's, you know, a knockoff for a beer at 5 PM, you know, yeah. as a team, that's, that's a ritual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, I think the other thing was routine. Um, yeah. And I think routine is, is, is basically what is, you know, you wake up, you brush your teeth, you meditate, you, yeah. you know, read a little, um, I guess that that for me is it, things that you don't do without in on a daily basis. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, that's a great point because I like how you know those they sound like the same, but they can be slightly different depending on the context or depending on the individual circumstances. So that's intriguing. Yeah, I think it's circumstantial, exactly yeah. as you said, and that scene yeah. is so because it takes a lot of that brain engagement of like what to do, it becomes, it, you get into that, that flow state of routine, for example, yeah. and then your brain much about the rest of that. And it's, and it's weird because sometimes on the days that you're off of your routine, you do feel off, you know? Yeah. And, um, and uh, I, I guess that's when, when, when building routine makes it easier, whether it's a run or a swim, um, once it becomes routine, as you know, as well, uh, you know, playing a lot of sport and being an athlete yourself um, before it, 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 it just becomes easier to do that it's weirder to not do it than to do it i love it love it i love it colby uh, I, I want to come back to yourself for the next question um as we all know when it comes to learning from experiences most of us tend to look at other people right uh, for inspiration or to find answers from uh, for example, there are a lot of motivational videos, uh, podcasts, and groups that you know you can you can join uh, or you kind of indulge in on a daily basis. Um, we're looking to other people for answers. Uh, what are your thoughts about looking inwards to find inspiration within ourselves to overcome personal challenges? I'm a I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of 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 if introspection, you know, of embracing inner reflection at the expense of outer perfection again. I think this is never more important than in a challenge than in this, you know, this, this global moment of adversity. I mean, this pandemic, especially so, but can transcend obviously out of the pandemic. And I'm, you know, as humans, we have a treasure trove in our past though. We have past triumphs, past heartbreaks, griefs, successes that are gonna be, that are very fundamental tools and are very valuable to go to, to look back upon, to, to look and say what worked there, what did not work, and really just try to deconstruct that and build upon the fundamental lessons that that experience taught us, though. You know, and use that as kind of like a building block. And then if you're kind of not getting anything from that, then maybe go to like an external source. But not the, the, I don't think the default should just be externality right away. It should just be inner work, inner reflection, and just really seeing what that looks like 
And, you know, as I say at page you know, 23 of the curveball, page 43 of the curveball, you know, this is fundamental work that the main character is, is ultimately doing on himself, you know, embracing the small daily habits, the small, the small steps, one base at a time, you know, choosing his pitches, being more proactive as opposed to reactive and escapism. You know, the first half of the book is all about escapism, escapism, not, you know, escapism from his own self, though, from his own emotions, from his own experiences, his past losses. And I, I think, you know, building off on, I think Freud said it the best, there's the heroic self, but then there's also the egoic self. And I think, you know, too often, you know, and, and the tension is encapsulated in the book between the, between the two ends. And I think to go to the heroic side, um, we need to really just do that deep inner work uh, just to see what, what that looks like and see what we can, can come out of that. Thank you, Kobe, for sharing that. Uh, I, I'm not going to give too much away, uh, but I remember reading in the book where the main character was dealing with a situation that he was in. And for the most part of the book, uh, it was about self-introspection. But there were moments where he was having conversations with his idol, um, asking him about what it was like when this or that happened. Um, so I think there are elements from both sides, uh, but the bulk of the work has to come from within um, with a little help of external motivation. For sure, for sure, for sure. That, that's, that, that's an add-on. That's when, you know, that's, that's, um, that's a crucial element, but not at the expense of, of not doing the first half. You need to do the first half and then you get to can do the second half. Yeah, I think sometimes we run out of ideas. You know, there there <laughs> there are moments in in self introspection as well that in which we just need inspiration. Um, and I a hundred percent agree with what you said earlier about you know reaching out and 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 adversity being a team sport. Mm -hmm. That reaching out is is just as important in the low times. You know, I want to need like. What's your sense on, you know, ego in not reaching out for Sensenita? Like, what, why do you think there's that blockage that prevents people from reaching out for help or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, for me, it's sometimes when you're in a dark place in which, you, you know, I, I didn't realize that I was in a dark place after my dad had passed on quite suddenly. And this was when I was 18. Um, and I had kind of thrown myself into super productivity. And one of those things happened to include picking up horseback archery. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, what, what was really confronting was to then realize that after doing all of that and, um, you know, taking a lot of boxes in terms of what I wanted, that it came to a point where I was, um, I hit, I hit quite a, a dark space, maybe about, I'd say three and a half, four years ago, um, where I was deeply unfulfilled and everything on the outside seemed great. Um, and I think, you know, it, I, 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 I looked for help and I, and I got into therapy and, um, I realized that it was hard for me to turn to people because of the element of, this false notion that I didn't want to burden anyone 
it was that feeling of me not wanting to burden anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, it was also the notion of um, fear, fear of, of someone else not understanding, which is why I think I could, I could share, uh, you know, the no- earlier about how actually it's the same. We, we share as much as we hear about universal love a lot, but we forget that there's universal pain and those stories and we connect much deeper on universal pain. That's why there's an, uh, there's an unbreakable military bond. You know, they go through (laughs) the (laughs) truck and and any, any exactly as your book as well. I mean, there's some anecdotes in there, which I've, I've been looking up and I can't wait to read the full book, but I've had snippets and um, you know, it's, it's going through that adversity is, is an opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, we can have it within us turn adversity into bountiful opportunity. You know, there's the nuggets within that art that can really flourish. That's it. That's that the adversity is an opportunity. And um, I'm really grateful, uh, you know, and when I look back upon that, I think when you can, when you're able to not be judgmental of what you're going through and see it as what it is and take measures to address it, I think it's it's a lot easier, but I think the reason why that ego element is there is just because you know sometimes it's just downright crippling. You don't know what to do, and you don't feel like doing anything. Um, and and you know finally where you're like, look, I got to do something. <laughs> and and I think there's also there needs to be more conversation around it. Like where I am in Malaysia, I feel that there's not enough conversation since the pandemic hit about mental health. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's 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 a good point. I'm glad you raised it. That that's interesting. You mentioned like you know prayer and faith and all that because ego can also be edging God out, and that's um, obviously my quote. But that, that's it's intriguing if you look at that and you just break it down. Like that's intriguing. But you totally connected the dots, and I think even you know, I mean, even barring faith in 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 a in a say in in a uh, religious kind of way. Right. Um, I think it's just that knowing of the fact that you're waking up the next day, you're there for a reason. (laughs) We've not been put on this earth to suffer every day. I don't believe that this is the ultimate human experience. You know, I mean, but of course, grief and pain and difficulty and challenges and loss, all of that is 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 part and parcel of the human experience. But if you are able to accept both as as both wings of the human flight, then, hey, you know. You just do what you gotta do. <laughs> I need to write that down. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great quote. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Kobe. You guys inspire me. Keep asking questions. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. Right. Um, it's all about asking questions. Um, something that I've come across in my own journey is that it's about asking the right questions, uh, and it's the quality of the questions you ask yourself. Um, you know, the, the questions I used to ask myself back then were all about trying to, you know, get, get more money or, you know, trying to kind of uh, get into a relationship. Uh, it was, it was those kind of questions, right? Uh, but now they're much deeper and more meaningful questions that I ask myself more profound, I guess. Um, you know, like you both touch on back there, the quality of the answers we get is based on the quality of questions we ask ourselves, 
Okay, we are coming up to the end of the podcast today. It has been an absolutely amazing uh, session and I wish we could go on longer. Um, I'm hoping to do another session with you guys though, so st stay tuned. Um, it has been so, so, so amazing. Uh, I have to say thank you to you because, um, you know, I think you you put first of all you put the conversation together at the topic i mean colby's book on in its own about grit and resilience and 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 asking questions and looking inside was a great theme colby so thank you for writing that book i mean you clearly <laughs> got into that book date as well when uh, you're just like i don't care i may be on holiday i may be on a bus i may be hustling day job i'm writing this book um <laughs> Um, but beyond that, I think, uh, Camille, thank you for, for even reaching out and for doing what you do, because this is, I know not even, you know, this is something you're so passionate about and right down to the life coaching. Um, and you know, it, it's because you're able to do this from a non speaking background, as you know, I still have difficulties putting myself out there. Um, you know, and you're like, you know, I just wanted to show the world that if I can do it, other people can do it. You're, you're doing it, man. And uh, thank you for also, you know, bringing that out for the rest of us who need more encouragement. I have to, I have to say, you know, thank you, Camille, uh, for connecting us, you know, and it's been such an honor and a privilege uh, just for me, you know, at this stage of my life you know, to share this um, time with Anita, with you, Camille, and um, honored to, to be a part of this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to you both. Um, again, I, I'm a true believer about connecting the dots and, you know, um, the more dots we can connect, the, the more I believe uh, we can heal not only ourselves, but each other and, and, and the world. Um, so I'm on a, on a mission to, to do just that, right? Connect the dots. Uh, it's so easy to do. Um, yeah. Um, thank you to you both. Okay, before we leave, I'd like to invite you both to join me as we bring this episode to a close with a 10 and 10 quick fire round of questions. Um, now, <laughs> the questions are fine. It's a bit of fun. Uh, it is. It is a bit of fun. Um, okay. Um, well, well, we'll do it as Anita first and then Colby, Anita, Colby, and so on. Okay. Ready? Uh, Anita, we'll start with you. Okay, so Anita, red or blue? Blue. Colby, sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Anita, your favorite word? Can. It's a very Malaysian thing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Can la. <laughs> Colby, cat or dog? Cat. So less work. Nice. Anita, what scares you? Me. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> Kobe, hard or soft? Hard. Anita, if you could travel back in time, what year would you go to? When I was 12 years old, uh, there was a, um, I just remembered very consciously having fun with my friends and there was such a sense of community. So me and m my closest friends from childhood, which we, we are still friends till today, 
um, we were part of this guinea pig uh, group that was, uh, we were the first experimental class to kind of skip a year in school and then combine two, two classes in a year. And we had to do a, a big exam in year six. Um, and I just remembered just having such a ball with my friends and actually having a conscious thought while I was rollerblading as a 12 year old uh, with my friends um, without my parents knowing that we were rollerblading on their tiled floors in the, in the, in the, in the basement. Like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I remember this is the time of my life. And I really felt like the world was my oyster at that age. Um, it, it didn't sustain, you know, I mean, it didn't sustain, but at that time it was amazing that I had the conscious moment of saying, I think this is like the best year of my life. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I, sometimes I just want to go back to that, that tween that was so fearless. Nice. Nice. Colby, one thing about you that surprises people. That surprises people. Like no one in my immediate like family has died per se. I've just knocked on wood. <laughs> <laughs> I do that every day. <laughs> Sorry, Camille, go. It's okay. So, Anita, hot or cold? Hot. Nice, nice. Colby, iPhone or Samsung? iPhone all the way. Awesome, awesome. Anita, what is your hidden talent? Like how hidden? <laughs> as hidden as you want to make it. Um, uh, it, well, my closest friends know it and, and uh, it's singing. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We'll, we'll get you to sing for us next time. Right. Kobe, what are you currently reading or listening to? I'm currently reading the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Um, he's a Silicon Valley, like investor, philanthropist. Personality, I should say. But it's a great book so far. That's what I'm currently reading right now. Nice. Anita, sweet or salty? Sweet. Sweet. 100%. <laughs> Colby, when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I had like several like stages. Like when I was younger, I wanted to be an investment banker before I knew what an investment banker actually was. <laughs> I swear to God, like there's pictures of me carrying a briefcase around. I'm like, I'm an investment banker. <laughs> Colby of Wall Street. Then it was a fireman, a mountain climber. Uh, a construction worker all over the place. That's that's wow. brilliant. Love that. And I, I still have faith you can be all of that. I mean, it's totally, just amazing. Totally, yeah. totally. Author by day, you know, construction worker by night. <laughs> I <laughs> weekend. <laughs> awesome. Like, oh, yeah. That'd be so cool. Okay. Anita, if, if you could be a superhero, what character would you be? 
like an existing fictional superhero? Um, any superhero. That's a hard one. I, you know, the first thing that came to mind actually was Xena, the warrior princess. I know she's not really a, a, a did you ever watch that? It, she's not a superhero. She's a very, you know, uh, mortal person, I think. But then it was in this, it, she's kind of like, um, I don't know. So Colby hasn't watched it. Uh, how would you compare her? She's a little bit like. Um, Wonder Woman? Uh, like Wonder Woman. Yeah. But yeah. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and to be honest, like, I think that watching that growing up was, was what made me um, want to do you know, the, the extreme sport of horseback archery is just because my dad was always, my late dad was always encouraging me like, Oh yeah, yeah. Look, but girls can kick ass too. See? And um, yeah. <laughs> Colby coffee or tea coffee all the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, with the exception, unless it's Indian masala tea, but mostly Oof. it's coffee. Masala chai. Yes. Also, yes. Nice. <laughs> Anita. Morning or night? Night. Great. Kobe, what does a million dollars mean to you? Unlimited freedom. Buy that Ferrari as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's, it's the monk that bought a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. This is insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Uh, Anita, apple or orange? Apple. Apple. Cool. Kobe, if you had a billboard at Times Square, what would it read? Continuously chase impact. Wow. With your face on it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Continuously chase impact. Like, like, like it's my, it's continuously my face chase impact. Oh, I like that. Nice. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. 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 It's got a good ring. It's got a good ring to it. Okay. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us today. And if you'd like to know more about our guests, you can get in touch with Anita and Colby through the following channels. Okay, so Anita, if you can share with us, how can people get in touch with you? Well, on Instagram is, is where I'm mostly active. And there's a click, uh, you can hit on the link to email me from there. It's Anita W00. Anita Wu W00. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, and Colby, uh, how can people get in touch with you as well? So you can get in touch with me. I'm very active on Instagram, um, Colby Sharma Official, Facebook, The Curveball 46. I'm active on LinkedIn as well, um, my full name. You can also, you can, so you can also find the book, um, you know, on, on Amazon. It's a paperback, ebook, and an, audio, an audiobook form. You can also sign up on my website, which is in my Instagram bio, on my profile, uh, which contains about the book, about the course that I just launched uh, last week. Um, so you can, can get in touch on other platforms. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Anita and Kobe. And for you out there listening in, this has been an awesome, awesome uh, session. And I look forward to the next book coming out, co-authored by both of you. <laughs> right? <laughs>
Dummy <laughs> Dynamite. Best seller all the way. Best seller. Somehow Camille is always like, you know, incepting dreams. Like, you know, there's one thing I never thought I'd ever be. Actually, I've had told someone like, I don't think I'll ever be an author just because it's too much work. Um, and, and like getting my, my, my thoughts to paper, it's, 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 it, I struggle to even journal every day. So, um, yeah, that, this will be exciting. I mean, if this is actually happening, wow. That <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> be super cool. Thank you, Camille. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much. It's been a real privilege. It's been a real honor to spend this hour and a half with you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much to you both. It's goodbye from Anita. Bye. <laughs> goodbye from Colby. Peace out. Ciao. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone.